I love how we started to dive into a little bit of neuroscience and how we are wired mm -hmm. and what helps with innovation. And in terms of the mindset, it's very important to schedule those things. Hampering mm -hmm. again on what Andrea highlighted, it has to be regular and it has to have some pattern. So yeah. scheduling time to innovate, although it may sound counterintuitive, but this is really, really helpful, number one. And number two is there are different ways of allowing our brain and our juices, so to speak, creative juices to flow easier. Then the most important is how can we release the stress? Remember the amygdala and this kind of middle brain, they just stop in ability to be creative. And if your business, this is what I loved, has most of stress in the beginning of the week, then end of the week is better. If vice versa, the beginning of the week is lax time, then you choose that, but you schedule it, and then you get used to a certain pattern of behavior, and you'll create a habit. And yeah. habit is extremely powerful thing, because it will allow you to get into the state where you're less filtering, and use different lenses. And especially if you do it with people who have completely different perspectives. Mm -hmm. First, you may get into some conflicts and fights, but just get over. Later, you'll get some brilliant ideas as a result of this collaboration. We just had multiple experiences very similar to what Andrea was sharing in different businesses, different countries, different organizations. Are, I would love to ask a question on my side. And this is about sharing the experiences of what didn't work or failures. Because I'm a big, big believer that if we start learning more on what didn't work, then it actually propels us even better than focusing on success. Yes, yes. And actually uh, made me think of, you know, when we want to stimulate our creativity you know we might read an article or watch something that you know have a have a have a lecture you know some some um some readings that are related to that that have helped us think differently but if you think of all these books that have been written on innovation they focus on the successes they focuses they focus on the unicorns and of course there's great things to learn from that and there's an aspirational hey if they could do it maybe i can do it and there's things that you can learn and less so uh, are focused on on failures and what can we learn from 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 failing and uh, i will juxtapose that with the importance of learning a failure on your own uh, well just success really but it's uh, you can learn from the failure of others but how do you learn failure on your own you prototype you try and you fail, but you do it at such a small level that it doesn't impact your overall business. Um, so um, you would, for example, create um, a small batch of the new product that you want to, you know, you, if you're a restaurant, you will sample with the new menu. You will try a different process. You try it and you might fail at it. Um, and each of these failures are very contextual. So yes, you can, overall, you can understand kind of what works, what isn't, but you have to learn on your own skin, what works in your context with your people, in your business, in your environment, with your clients specifically. And you only do that by testing, trial and error. And not only 
do you have to, to, to do these, but, but take time to reflect on it. So not kind of, oh, it, it didn't work. And let's move on. Why didn't it work? What could we do to next time to make it work? So spend time on that failure. It's not something pleasant. It's not something we usually like to, to think about, but it's extremely important because that will prepare us for success later on. And just like a child learns how to eat, and before that, the whole menu is on the bib, uh, that's kind of, especially when we, when we start a new business, when we're an, uh, an entrepreneur or when we want to pivot an existing uh, business, and, and we carve out uh, time for that, it's the same process. So we have to, we have to learn um, by, by making mistakes. Um, the other thing that helps is before we start a project, launching a new dish on the menu, or I don't know, offering a new service, creating a hypothesis. What do you think will happen? Well, I think the uh, spaghetti will be very successful on the menu because our restaurant is in the Italian uh, neighborhood. And so, 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 so discuss a little bit why you think that will work and test it. And then compare the results with your initial hypothesis because it's very difficult to say, oh, I knew it will work or I knew it wouldn't work. Document it. Document it, then run it, then see where you're right or where you're wrong. Because it's very easy to say, well, I, I knew it will work. Um, and, and then if it didn't work, so if it, if it worked, that's great. Then you scale it. Then you maybe introduce more dishes, Italian dishes. If, you know, the spaghetti was successful. As an example, I'm making this up on the fly. If it didn't work, let's find out why. Maybe because it was an Italian neighborhood, your spaghetti are not up to snuff. So you have to find a better recipe because it's not the same as Nona's recipe or whatever. You have to understand, it goes back to understanding the customer and understanding the context. But it's very important before you embark on a new project, document your expectations and document, literally put it in writing, what do you think will happen? Then do it and then reflect on it. What actually happened versus what I thought it happened because three months later, your perspective will change. You start something today, three months later, you will not recognize the person that was three months ago. Your, your mindset would have changed, just like uh, this, this program Ludmila is running. You will have changed, but it happens at such a fine level that you don't realize it. So documenting in the beginning what you know and what your expectations are towards the end and doing it at the end will help you realize, did you nudge forward towards the direction you want to go into uh, or it was not successful? And the idea is to make small steps, then giant leaps. Giant leaps, in uh, they're risky, they're costly, but doing it on a small level. So for example, in our restaurant, uh, imagined example, I won't go off and, and you know, hire the, the best chef in Italy, bring him to Canada and you know, uh, change my whole, no, you, you start slowly. You start slowly with one dish, with one recipe, and then if that is successful, then maybe you will bring a chef from Italy and, uh, and you know, change your profile from Thai to Italian, although that's quite vivid, um, <laughs> but in our imagined example. Well, I have a question about the fact that we're in a disruptive situation. 
with COVID-19 globally. And uh, to me, sometimes incremental is not going to be enough uh, to sustain because some businesses have gone down to zero revenue. So how, and also like the airline business, for example, was taken by shock like the rest of us and they basically don't have any travelers. I mean, they're trying to ramp it up. But I guess my question is, how does one pivot in a world of COVID in the mm -hmm. world of, of, you know, how you should proceed as a business? Is incremental going to be enough? If you start incremental now, after after the, uh, the 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 impact has has changed uh it requires a lot more effort for you to to be successful or to survive i'll give an example you know a restaurant and we go to the restaurant but they have been impacted you you don't have a website you've never done uber eats you've never done uh you know phone orders um so you, people just find you from the neighborhood all of a sudden you're closed um, you have to invest a lot more in know-how and the learning curve is much more steep for you because now you have to figure out a website out of nowhere. You have to figure out a way to get, get your food to, to your clients and so on versus if you're, if you have done it before. Right. Um, so you'll be, you'll be a little bit behind, not to say that you won't be able to catch up, but there are businesses that already have those capabilities. Um, and they're prepared. That's why I said the best time to prepare for these is before a crisis happens. Now, in this example, a crisis was, could, it was not a, your typical past political, economic, social. You could not have easily anticipated what had happened. But a powerful tool is scenario planning. So uh, you, you constantly think, what if this happens? What will I do? Right now, now the pandemic will be a one on you know one of the scenarios. But before you know, but it, it could be um, anything. So basically, you always have a list of what to do if this happens. Okay. So if you if you have that, uh, uh, if, even if you have not particularly thought about the pandemic, but perhaps something else that's similar enough, you already have a course of action. One of our clients we, um, that, that I worked with, we, what they did is they, they were testing different marketing campaigns. And they already knew if this doesn't work, I know exactly what my next one to three steps will be. I will not spend another three months you reeling from it and thinking. So you, you, you like a chess game. You try to anticipate as much as you can always, not only when the crisis happens, of course, that you know, it's shocking, but, um, but getting that, getting in the habit to always know what's next or what would you do if X happened? That's what I would say. And with companies that have been impacted, it is very difficult for them now to make investment in this technology because they're lacking cash flow. It's really a difficult situation. And that's why the Canadian government and others are um, doing all this um, stimulus and economic help uh, because it is, it is not an easy situation to be in. Craig had a question which I wanted to voice. And I think it will be of an interest to everybody because he was wondering what our thoughts are about the recent trends on hiring 
around the globe, given that we are going virtual so much in many industries, much more than before. The trends and the expectations. Of a virtual workforce? Uh, yes, the trends of hiring around the globe and not necessarily in the local country and how this may disrupt the local businesses. Uh, yes, I, and I mean, for, for a business that has decided to seek talent internationally, like I mentioned before, there's huge opportunities in tapping into these people who have uh, experience and context in other countries. It has been said about Canada that there's, there's a, uh, you know, there's an advantage to Canada to having people from different parts of the world as immigrants here because you have access to language knowledge, you have access to um, um, a lot of knowledge that these people bring into the country. So the same with a company. If you diversify your workforce, you get the benefits of it. If you use them, if you need them, um, not everybody should diversify. And once you do diversify your workforce with people from other countries working remotely, virtually, you also have to be prepared to deal with the challenges of doing so. It's pros and cons. And that's why I'm saying not everybody should do it. So think of your business model. If we think about the, what the makeup of the industry, right? Manufacturing is being outsourced to other countries lower cost countries, but services have to be here. You can't hire someone virtually to do a manicure. Uh, it won't work. So certain, certain jobs, certain industries uh, can be outsourced to other locations. Some can be automated, uh, but, but the high touch ones like your hygienist, your um, uh, you know, beauty consultant, it's very difficult even to automate these. Some, of course, cashier, we see now a tendency for self-checkout, mm -hmm. right? So, so this automation and outsourcing are very interesting and very complex uh, questions. And it depends on your business model and who your client is. Will they accept to check out themselves? Will they have the knowledge to? Do they you need to train them? So there's a lot of questions that you need to answer. For example, um, our uh, Canadian superstore uh, here in Milton, they introduced one of those tunnels, I don't know if you have seen them, where you no longer scan every item, but you place every product with the barcode facing up. They go, it goes through the tunnel, it scans everything, you pay and, and you go. So it has a belt, just like an, a regular cashier would, and the belt continuously, continuously goes. They had it for about half a year. Uh, we were using it, we loved it. Um, and, but not, not a lot of people, uh, would be using it. And we saw some people have problems with it. So a couple of weeks ago, days ago, we went and said, where, where's the belt? And they said, well, we took it off. And they, we asked why, because people were not using it. They were having problems. So they, they tried an innovation then they backtracked, they removed it completely instead of trying to look at why were people not using it? What problems, the other problem that we noticed uh, including myself, the first time you use, of course, it would stop. And it says, call someone. That person will come, will scan the item, and they would do the work for you. They were not teaching the customer how to use it correctly. They would just skip through the problem. So next time you go grocery shopping, the same thing will happen. Again, the cashier has to come. Again, you wait, they fix the problem. The third time, the same. So you never learn how to use 
the tool if you know so so this is an example of a lot was invested uh, you know R&D installing it piloting it into this new technology in the grocery store but a lot less in the soft stuff how do you familiarize the customers how do you teach the cashiers to train the customers and so on it's always a double edged sword you have to think of when it's whether it's technology or people there's always with any benefit comes a challenge that you have to overcome